This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Buongiorno. <laughs> Welcome to a brand spanking new, fresh shot the oven episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, hot mess of a host, Lorenzo von Arumpf. And I'm so happy to be here with you today. This is a very special little birthday episode. I'm celebrating my birthday today, June 30th. Oh, and there's no place I'd rather be than right here with my low lifers celebrating. I'm a little crabby patty, cancer crab. Happy birthday to all my fellow cancers out there. Emotional, sensitive, guarded, but really sweet souls. I love you. You are seen and happy birthday. So last year on my birthday, I did a very special birthday episode, which was my Shamu confession. <laughs> I basically just shared one of the most humiliating Oh, mortifying experiences of my life that I was so embarrassed about. I had a lot of shame, but it felt very freeing to share that story. And so I shared that story on the podcast. So if you want a chance to listen to one of the most embarrassing stories that really put me on the map in the podcast space, yeah, that's where a lot of the vinos first got introduced to me by me having my dick out <laughs> in this terrible Shamu story. So if you want a chance to listen to that uh, shame and humiliation, then you can enjoy my birthday episode from last year. But this year, I'm going a bit of a different direction for my birthday. I'm excited to celebrate my birthday, but it's been a year of so much change for me, a change of my priorities, a change in how I define success, hell, even a change in how I see myself and who I allow into my life, the friends that I choose to invest in. There's been so much change. It's been pretty transformational, actually. In some ways, it's been great. In other ways, it's been really difficult. And it's just been, as I'm sure for the rest of the world, anybody listening right now, an adjustment. It's been a year of change, adjustment, and me just trying to go with the flow and seeing what happens, just keeping this little shit show afloat. So this year for my birthday, I'm going into it feeling pretty good mental health-wise. Nobody asked, but my mental health score this week is a solid 9.5. I'm feeling pretty damn good. Yeah, this is the highest it's been in the last six months. <laughs> yeah, 9.5. Who, who the hell am I feeling like I'm on cloud nine? But I've put in the work. I've been getting some sleep. been trying to work out, get a bit of exercise in, trying to eat right. There's so much shit that we have to do in life to give ourselves a fighting chance. And that's why I wanted to do this episode today. Because there is so much to process, and sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. By the time you're done with your dream board, your manifestations, your journaling, you're drinking lemon water, you're trying to exercise, keeping up with friends, paying your bills, making sure you have your family relationships in store. If you have a partner, if you have kids, everything, it all adds up. It's a lot. We're all spreading ourselves thin. So I just want to just take a moment, take a beat, and just say, it's all going to be okay. This is a moment where you could just exhale. And what I'm going to do today is just kind of lay out some things for you with a psychotherapist who also is a nutritionist. And we talk about coping with anxiety and generational trauma and depression and what we put into our bodies, the food that we eat and how it impacts our mood and what we should be eating and what we should try and stay away from and that sort of thing. And 
it's really important for me to talk about that on this show because, well, one, there's a lot of stigma with mental health. I don't think there should be, but there is. And so it's nice to have therapists on. It's getting a little free therapy session. It's also nice going into this new year of life, celebrating my birthday, knowing that, yeah, I am making mistakes along the way. I screw up all the time, which is totally fine. But also here are some tools, some things that can kind of give you a fighting chance. That's really what I'm trying to do here is just give us all some sort of a fighting chance in this crazy, exhausting, overwhelming world of f***ery that we live in. <laughs> it's a beautiful world that we live in, but it could be exhausting at times. And a lot of us are going through it. And I went through it too. And I've been going through it in my own right. And so on today's episode, we talk about what we're eating what we're consuming on a regular basis, and how what we're putting into our bodies could affect our mood, how they affect our anxiety, depression, our happiness, and our energy stores. We talk about that. That's why I was very excited to get this particular guest, psychotherapist, who's also a nutritionist, Christina Vero. So I saw her on Newsweek. She had gone viral on TikTok, and she's a psychotherapist who talks about your relationship with food and, of course, all the other things that come along with it, depression, anxiety. And so she has some really helpful tips on what we should be eating, vitamins that we need. I liked her take on manifestation. It's an unpopular opinion, but this queen was like, you know what? A lot of people are manifesting, but it's not necessarily for everybody. It's not a deal breaker. If you don't do it, that's totally fine. And this is why. So we talk about how manifestation and using the tools of manifestation and writing it all out might be hurting you instead of helping you. We also talked about the signs that you need to look out for to know if you need couples counseling or not. If you're going through a few of these different things, then it's probably time for you to book a session with a couples counselor if you want to give your relationship a chance at making it. We also talk about an acronym that she came up with that will actually help you in dealing with anxiety. If you feel anxiety, you're struggling with something, you have that anxious feeling, you can process it out with this acronym and it will hopefully help you in dealing with your anxiety so you could let things go a little bit easier. There are a lot of takeaways from this episode, little golden nuggets of wisdom that are sprinkled throughout this episode, which is exactly what I wanted to do, bringing in a new year, celebrating my birthday, which is to have a useful conversation with somebody who knows what they're talking about and has some great advice and wisdom to share with us. So I love hearing different perspectives from different people. We've had psychotherapists on the podcast before. I love doing a deep dive and having these conversations. And today is definitely one of my favorite ones. So without further ado, let's jump into today's very special B-Day Cancer Season episode with queen psychotherapist and nutritionist, Miss Christina Vero. Hit it. Here we freaking go. I'm so happy to have you here today. Oh, God, me too. Uh, I'm excited. You beautiful Canadian maple delight. So you're coming straight from Canada right now, right? Yeah, I live just north of Toronto. Oh, nice. Wait, are you born and raised Canadian? Yep. Oh, I love it. I want to know a little bit about your story, like how you got to this point of becoming a psychotherapist, but also a nutritionist which yes. goes hand in hand, which we'll talk about today. But I just want to know a bit about your story. It's very non-linear. So I was definitely one of those people I had no idea what I wanted to do growing up 
at all. So I was just kind of going through life. Like, I guess I'm kind of good at this and I guess I'm kind of good at that. But one thing that was always true was people always talk to me. So if I were on the subway, I would get somebody's life story. Or if I was just like standing in line at Starbucks, somebody would start talking to me and they would tell me their whole story. So I actually thought about that and thought maybe I'll go into journalism because that's about Mm. kind of hearing people's stories. And I liked hearing them. I liked interviewing people. So I got a degree in that. Still was like, I don't know if this is a good fit, but let's try it out. And I started working in documentary films. And one that I worked with was about prescription drug abuse in Canada and the United States. And so I would travel around and do these really heart-wrenching interviews that would be hours long. I would really get to know people. And I learned that the interview process seemed to be really therapeutic for people, just to have a space to explain their story, what it was like for them, what they went through. But with journalism, then I would get the story and that would be it. I would never talk to these people again. And so I found that I was really aware of the problems of the world, but I didn't particularly feel like I was part of the solution. So I sort of thought to myself, okay, I really like the interviewing component. I seem to get along with people. They seem to be really comfortable opening up to me. So why don't I make a career out of this? And so I went back to school, did the whole thing. And I've always liked fitness and nutrition. I used to be a competitive dancer. And so I thought... I don't know. I think those go hand in hand. So like I Maddie just, Ziegler, Dance Moms type of competition? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Like the whole kit and caboodle. No wow. pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So here we are. So here we are now. Well, yeah. when I watch Dance Moms, and Maddie Ziegler is someone who I used to style back in the day, and I'm very familiar with Abby Lee Miller, and oh, it's a lot, that dance world. Those girls are put through hell. All of those competitive sports, specifically with young girls, I feel like, man, it could be taxing mentally. I watch that show now and I'm like, Jesus, that's stressful. Imagine going through that at, you know, nine or 10 years old. And so did you have a stage mom? Were you, was your mom like an Abby Lee Miller type? My mom was very not involved in the drama of the dance world. If anything, she was like, I'm going to drop you off, text me the moment that you're done, and then I'll come and we'll leave. So she was a really good buffer for me. But yeah, anytime I work with somebody and they say that they did a competitive sport, I just am very likely writing like trauma on my clipboard. (laughs) 100% has to be trauma there. Yeah, I would say just for parents, you know, listening to this right now, because of course you want your kids to get involved and do some sort of a activity, a team activity. It's really good for you know, learning how to work with different types of people and builds character and all. I mean, there are a lot of benefits to it, I'm sure. But do you think the cons outweigh the pros? For me, it did, unfortunately. Really? Especially when with you were dance. Kid? Yeah. I mean, I think there's such a competitive nature to it, but especially with dance, there's a lot of body image stuff. You're looking at yourself in a full mirror for so many hours of the day and just nitpicking everything about your form and every technicality. And so you can really develop a very critical voice within yourself that I've definitely had to work with over the years. So for me, it it was kind of the negatives outweighed the positives, unfortunately. Yeah. I'd say for me, well, same sort of. I had severe anxiety as a kid. I always used to throw up because I'd get so nervous. Oh, oh gosh. yeah. I'm a I'm a vomiter. I I throw up like a pro though. You know, because oh. I've been doing it for so long. Oh dear, that sounds awful though. Yeah. But to think that's how much anxiety you were going through, right? Yeah, and so oh. I, especially just because I I put pressure on myself to do really well, and if I didn't feel like I, you know, I played football. 
which people would be surprised by, but I played American style football for like 11 or 12 years. (gasps) Yeah. And so it was, you know, really intense and I was really hard on myself and, oh, I, I, I was going through a lot, you know, just struggling, just growing up and figuring out who I was, but on top of it, you know, throw in, you know, a bunch of testosterone, puberty, (laughs) like not so teenagers. (laughs) Oh, it's literal hell for me. Anyway, so, but, but would I do it over again and not play the sport? I don't know. I feel like it kind of gave me a bit of character and and seasoned me for life. That's the thing. Sometimes it's almost like, do we need a bit of the trauma? I don't know. Maybe not. (laughs) I know. I I I don't have kids right now, but I'm like, if one of my kids wanted to play a sport or do some competitive gymnastics, mm, I'd be a little apprehensive about it, but I'd consider it. It's so true. I met a girl at a party once and she was so hilarious. Like one of the funniest people I've ever met. And I said, you are so funny. Where did you get your sense of humor? And she said, trauma. <laughs> yeah. As most of it's like, oh, look at that. Great comedians. It all stems from a dark place usually. And that's a survival right? technique. Yeah. For me, especially like I completely relate to that. I was going to ask growing up a lot of the times when I talk to therapists, even my own therapist, she's opened up and told me that Part of the reason why she even got into therapy was because of the amount of trauma that she experienced at a really young age, all through her teenage years into adult life, and that she went through hell and back. And sometimes you even hear the phrase, a psychotherapist is usually the most psycho of them all. (laughs) That's why they get into it. You know, I mean, that's, that's something that I think a lot of people in the back of their mind, it's not something that feels very nice to say, especially when I'm sitting in front of a therapist right now. I'm like, are you the most screwed up person of them all? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe. There's no shame in that. I talk about mental health all the time. You know, I, I feel like now we're getting past some of the stigma, but that that seems to be a commonality with a lot of therapists that get into it is they actually have been through the ringer themselves. So I don't know if that's the case for you, if you had a really tumultuous childhood or if it was smooth sailing, you know? Oh gosh, I don't know. People who tell me their life has been smooth sailing, I'm just like, how? How has that happened to you? They're out there. I, I know, I'd love I to know. meet them. One of my best friends, Jason Tardick, he's like, Pretty awesome. Had smooth yeah. sailing. He had, you know, a couple bumps along the road, but overall feeling pretty good about his childhood. That's amazing. Yeah, which is yeah. a beautiful thing, but I don't think that's the common answer. Yeah. A really lovely description I heard of therapists once was that they're wounded healers, which means that they've gone through some wounds and usually try to use those to heal other people. Yeah. I think for me, I just remember being so insecure, like so insecure. And I often wish I could go back to speaking to my teenage self and just giving her a hug and saying, you know, it's okay. Just just chill out a little bit. And so that, that's been my journey of just how do you overcome self-doubt and shame and insecurity? And I, I really do think that's still a daily intentional practice. Yeah. Oh, all the way up into adult life. You know, I was dealing with it yesterday. It never really ends in that sense. Well, I want to talk to you about what we eat, what we're consuming on a regular basis, and how that plays into our mental health. I know that people will take a break from like caffeine, for example. God, I'd be lost without my iced coffee as I sip on a delicious iced coffee right now. (laughs) It's my go-go juice. I'd be a mess without it. Or would I? You know what I mean? Like it's an adjustment. Sometimes I have to give it up for a bit. By the way, though, I I don't know if you drink coffee, but I have cinnamon roll flavored creamer oat milk from Khalifa, Wiz Khalifa. I don't know, the farms or whatever. It's so... It's really it hitting the right spot. It is so nice right now. 
But I know, you know, caffeine, you got to be careful with it because your body can become dependent on it and that sort of thing. So you have to really watch it. Do I? Not so much. And so I'm here to talk to you right now about what we're consuming and how that can play a part in how we're feeling about ourselves, our mood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the topic of caffeine, it's interesting because when they've done research about that, it seems that people with anxiety are just more susceptible to caffeine's effects. And it makes sense, right? If you're already a little bit of a jittery person and then you throw caffeine into the mix, then there you go. And you can just be more jittery. You have more of all these stress hormones flooding through your system. Something I like that I've been getting really into is matcha powder. So matcha is, yeah, yeah, it's powdered green tea, but it's really neat because it does have caffeine. So it gives you that little hit, but it also has something in it called L-theanine. And that's an amino acid that actually calms you down a bit. Wait, what's it called? L-theanine. Oh, I thought you said L-fanning. I was like, oh, oh <laughs> iconic. No. I love her. <laughs> right? No, L-theanine. Way less sexy sounding. But yeah. it's still it's good. It gives you that hit of caffeine, but it doesn't give you those jitters that make you feel really anxious. And okay. it also has a ton of antioxidants in it because it's that powdered, really pure form of green tea. So I like to make a little latte out of that. You just put some hot water to whisk your matcha. Then you put some milk in. You can add some sweetener and it's really, really delicious. Yeah. Have you noticed right now that there's this big campaign for meatless products? It's yes. really popular right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, part of me, the conspiracy side of me is like, what's going on? I understand that meat, there are some definite pitfalls in the meat industry. My God, I don't think they're looking out for the best interests of the consumer at all. I don't think that they care if we're getting sick or not. So you have to be really conscientious of what we're putting in our bodies and what kind of meat you're buying and where you're getting it from. And also though, part of me is like, I don't even know if I trust if it's USDA organic or whatever. Like there's so many different non-GMO little labels, grass-fed, whatever the f***. And sometimes I read all that And I'm thinking to myself, are they just slapping labels on this? Kind of like when I found out that the dolphin-free tuna, there's a lot of different little signs they'll put on tuna cans, which I don't really like canned tuna anyway. But when I was eating it, I would typically go for, of course, like dolphin-free. But all that is just bullshit. It's not really dolphin-free. Maybe there isn't dolphin meat in it, but for sure you're going to get a little otter in there. You know, like they're really loose (laughs) with their restrictions and you got to- And their guidelines, and no one's really looking at these companies, these meat manufacturers, these plants, and holding them accountable. It's very hard. It's very hush-hush. There's a lot of money involved, and people are being quiet. And so when it comes to this whole meatless, impossible type, I don't want to say propaganda, but I'm like, is it? What? Why are, why are they pushing it so hard right now? Who's behind this? (laughs) Oh, totally. And you bring up such a good point because just there's so many clever marketing tactics when it comes to the food industry. And another one is gluten-free, right? Like just because something has a label on it does not mean it's a health food. So you can, I've looked at some of these meatless products and they have so much crap in them. They might have actually a ton of sugar. They might have a ton of sodium, but because they're meatless, then people think that they're cleaner. And so a lot of my work is about educating people on how to read an actual food label, how to know what to look for, and also to explore what's the intention that you have behind doing that. Sometimes I think we get all these messages about the food industry and we just do it because somebody told us to and it's in, but 
what is your intention? Is it that you're wanting to be healthier? Because if that's what your intention is. I don't want to die. I don't want want to get cancer. I just want to live. You know, shit. Yes, I know. I know. And especially with the food industry, there's so many conflicting pieces of information. But you would probably, in some cases, be better going for a small portion of really good quality grass-fed beef, for example, versus something that just has all of these fillers and, you know, preservatives and all of these things so I'm a huge advocate for knowledge is power, whether we're talking about mental health or nutrition. Yeah. Oh, I saw on TikTok. Oh, my God. TikTok. It could be a great place, a toxic place, all rolled into one. But oh, yeah. there's a lot of interesting videos. And the algorithm was feeding me some real juice the other day, <laughs> spilling some real tea. And so I was thinking about meatless products. And I I do eat meat very rarely. I'm pretty much pescatarian at this point in my life. That seems to work for me. Once in a while, I'll have to throw a steak in there, but Mm -hmm. it's few and far between. And I've tried being vegan. I can't do vegan. Well, I could, but I personally didn't enjoy my life while I was eating vegan. Oh, so important. To each their own. I like a little bit of dairy in the Mm -hmm. system, even though it doesn't sit well with my tongue. I do like the dairy. Mm-hmm. But I was watching this TikTok and this guy, he works at a meat processing plant and he had taken his camera and gone behind the scenes and he and he was just like a shipper or something. Like, And he was like, hey guys, like I'm on my shift right now and I just want to show you guys what goes into all of the chicken nuggets and everything because these are being sent to McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King and all the major fast food chains, which I know we already could assume like oh. it's probably not the best. But when you see it, he oh. opened up this giant crate and inside of it was this pink sludge. Looked like straight up shit. Like it actually oh kind of looked God. like it looked like grainy Play-Doh in oh. pink flesh tone. And it was, I mean, I, I, it was a huge pallet of it. So however many gallons that was, must have been like 100 gallons or more and just big boxes of it and then tubs on the side and it looked like complete sludge and they take that sludge and they're able to make chicken sandwiches and chicken nuggets and chicken strips and a lot of yeah you know and there's chicken parts in there literally it's all different parts blended up together into some kind of a sludge and then compressed to make the shape of whatever we want to consume and so seeing it a lot of people don't want to see stuff like that, myself included, but you have to once in a while because yeah. they're like, okay, I don't want that in my body right now. It's yeah. sitting on the back of some random truck, you know, Whoa. in a port in Jersey, and it's this giant vat of chicken sludge. Get the hell out of here with that. Oh and so, yeah, we have to be careful what we're eating. I'm curious uh, on your end, are there foods that you've seen a difference, like they'll make a difference in your mood, depending on the chemical reaction to if you're dealing with depression? anxiety, feeling sad, you need a bit of a dopamine, you know, rush. Are there foods that we could eat to help get out of a dark place? Yeah, so I think it's twofold. One is what can we consume less of so that we feel better? And also what can we consume more of? So in terms of what we can consume more of, B12 is a really, really great one if you're somebody who has anxiety or depression. And we usually recommend supplementation because if you're deficient in B12, then you're more likely to have some mental health issues. So it's good to get your blood work taken just to see what your levels are. But I take a B12 supplement every single morning. Huge difference for me personally. And I've heard that from a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. I really like that. You can also get that from food sources that can be found in milk, proteins like chicken, eggs. So if you're uh, vegan, then that might not be the best option. So supplementing is a great one, but really, really helpful for energy and just overall helping you feel good. Have you ever had the shot in the ass of B12? I have not, but I really want to do it. 
It works. I I love yeah. it. I've done yeah? it. Yeah, it was like I think it was like forty bucks. Okay, yeah. Which wasn't bad, and it lasted for I'd say I had two weeks of feeling pretty damn good energy wise. It yes. really helped my energy levels. Totally. So much so that I was drinking coffee just out of pure habit, but I definitely didn't need it. Yeah. Yeah, I was that's feeling amazing, though. Yeah, B12 right into the ass cheek, into the bloodstream it went. And so that's yeah, an option yeah. for people. And a lot of places do that. Med centers, health spas, they'll offer that service for you. Yeah. Did it hurt? Yeah. How, how painful was it? No. Well, I'm good with needles. I get Botox, yeah. you know, and I, yeah. I'm i not weirded out by needles. It felt just like a quick little prick. And it's in the <laughs> ass cheek. So I got a lot of cushion nice back there. Juicy. So yeah. yeah, it's juicy. So they just put it right in it, all of a second. A little prick. So no, it didn't hurt at all. But I get if someone's like freaked out by needles, that might mm-hmm. not be the best option for them. But mm-hmm. okay. But B12 noted. We need yes. it in our system. Okay. Yes. So that's a really good one. Another one that you sort of touched on is omega-3s. So those are a really, really healthy types of fat that our brain really, really likes. And right. our brain is actually made up of a lot of something called DHA, which is a type of omega-3 fatty acid. That's another one that people don't really get a lot of because most of us don't eat enough fish. So that's another one for supplementing that's a good call. So you can get a liquid supplement, you can get a pill supplement. So it doesn't really matter which one you prefer. If you happen to be vegan and fish isn't your jam, obviously, then having an algae supplement can be really helpful. So that's a good way to get omega-3 algae. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Never tried mm-hmm. it, but I'm down yeah. to have some yeah. algae in my system. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Do you love taking supplements? Is that something that you do in your personal life? Only to fill gaps. So for example, with B12, I will take one. Omega-3, I will take one. Sometimes I'll take an iron supplement if I just am feeling like my iron levels are kind of low, which is another one, especially for women. If you're feeling kind of lethargic and low energy, sometimes that can feel like depression actually. And it might just be an iron deficiency that needs to be addressed. So that's another goodie, especially if you're not a meat eater, then having some good supplementation is useful. But Supplements, in my opinion, aren't just a fix-all. So there are supplements to supplement a good diet. So hopefully you can get most of your nutrients to what you're eating and drinking and then just fill in all the little gaps of supplements. Yeah, I was noticing that I was feeling depressed, which depression runs in my family. I struggle with it often. One thing that helped, though, was getting the blood work. I love that you said getting Mm -hmm. a blood panel. Oh, that was a game changer for me because I saw that I was so incredibly low in vitamin D. So yes. many of us, most people, if you're listening to this, probably don't have enough vitamin D in their system. You're not going out and getting yeah. that sun. And I get it. We don't have the time of day and we're working, living our lives. And so my doctor actually prescribed a 5,000, I believe it's 5,000 milligrams that I take once a week. And it's my vitamin D level for the entire week. I take one wow. pill every Monday. Yeah. And he's like, that's your vitamin D that you need. And then if, of course, you add in a little bit of sunshine, you know, once or twice a week, I can squeeze that in. But it did actually help a lot. After about two months, I noticed my mood had definitely improved. I was, you know, journaling, keeping track of my mood and trying to see, you know, where I was, why I was waking up just feeling miserable. And I kind of got to the bottom of it. Not that it was all to do with vitamin D. I had to do some work as well, you know, mental health wise and other ways through therapy. Mm -hmm. But vitamin D definitely was a game changer for me. So I'm sure that has to be vitamin D. Iron, B12. What was the other one you said? Omega-3s. Omega-3s is important. Okay. Mm-hmm. For a well-balanced diet so you could help with fighting depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the main thing for your mood. Yes. Yep. I think eating all those things just gives us a bit more of a fighting chance, right? 
Oh, that's how I see it. And that's kind of how I got interested in this world. Because for me, I mean, we were talking before about also what to remove. I find that if I eat too much junk food or even just too many calories, like if I feel overly full, I feel horrible the next day. Like I'll genuinely feel so off. And I just remember thinking, okay, this can't be normal. So once I started really spending more attention on that, especially because I used to dance so much, I used to eat so clean that when I stopped doing that, I really, really noticed. Yeah. So I was kind of like my own case study for what I wanted to help other people accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, what's your relationship with alcohol? You drink and wine. Do you love it? Are you yes. against drinking? I'm not against drinking. I'm a huge wine lover personally. And I've also Same. just recently got into ciders, which are like... Ciders. So delicious. Oh my gosh. They're like like a beer cider? It's it's fermented kind of? apples, but they're alcoholic. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, yeah, think about like delicious alcoholic apple juice and it's like, oh, oh my god. Yum. Right? Yeah. Oh, I don't I think almost, I've ever had one. I almost regret telling you that because now you're just gonna <laughs> yeah. email me in a few weeks and be like, curse you for telling me about ciders. Do they do they have a bit of like a sour taste? Because I'm down for all of that flavor, like kombucha. I'm picturing it tasting oh, I a bit like kombucha. So does it have that kind of vibe? No, they're super sweet. Well, you oh. can get some more tart ones. So there's kind of a, a range, but they are mostly sweeter. But yeah, I come from my my dad is a huge wine lover, but into like the really really nice wines that he yeah. preserves and saves until a very very special occasion, like once every ten years type of a thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that's an important thing to bring up because I've noticed too, if I drink too much alcohol, I will start to feel depressed. And you might not in the moment, but alcohol is a depressant, right? So yeah. you might wake up the next morning. Oh, the other one is hangover anxiety or anxiety, if you've ever heard of that. So some people I don't know that term. Oh man, anxiety. Anxiety, hangover anxiety. Yeah. So for some people, the next day after they've been drinking, part of it is just physiological because you have all of these amazing feel-good chemicals that have just been overwhelming your brain are starting to leave, and so you're feeling that withdrawal really. But there's also this layer of especially people with social anxiety who will say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that last night. Did I offend this person? Uh, I can't believe I said this. And then like people who get a bit messy. Yes. Right. And so they spend the whole day rethinking the night and maybe texting people and checking their text messages or their phone calls. And so they can really get themselves in a state of panic. And it's, yeah, it's really I can't even remember the last time. Like that's blackout status. Right. Where you're just, I don't even know what I did. Oh, like waking up next to someone, you're like, oh my God, I had sex with this person or did we? Right, right. That's when it gets a little uncomfortable. You're like, holy shit. I haven't had that moment. I mean, in my thirties, no, I haven't done that yet. But in my thirties, no, I do remember that in my twenties. Now it's just more, I can't believe I drank that much because Mm. for a couple of reasons, like, oh my God, I spent how much money on cocktails? Really? Right, right, right. Because it's expensive to go out and drink. You're looking like for a nicer place, $15 to like $19 a cocktail. And I could throw down at least a few cocktails, you know, plus a nice dinner. It's so funny. I went to dinner with my girlfriend. It was a beautiful night. I'm glad we did it. But at the end of it, actually the next day we had messaged each other and she was like, wow, because we each spent about like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, so it was like a $400 tab. And I was like, damn, like that was a pricey little night out. Nice, (laughs) but also just like, 
<laughs> we love doing that at my place, just having a bottle of wine and chilling and shooting the shit. And we weren't having to worry about like taking up too much time at a table. I don't know. Yes. COVID's still happening. People are getting sick left and right, which I don't think people even want to talk about, but it is still happening. I have a lot of people around me getting sick. So yeah, I'm, I think more on that tip right now of like, do I want to spend that much money right now? You I know. know. And then totally. feel like shit about myself the next day. Yikes. Yes. That's the thing too that is important to bring up is that I think it's really case by case basis because some people wake up and they do feel really ashamed about, oh, I really wish I hadn't drank that much. And it might not be that objectively other people thought that they drank too much. But if you're waking up feeling crappy about yourself, then that's a sign to maybe rethink your relationship with alcohol. Absolutely. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. And they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discrete packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies. 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. I'm all about leveling up with my low lifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style, and I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash lowlife. I'm curious too how you feel about marijuana. Is it legal I knew in Canada? You were ask. Yes, it's totally legal here. There's Is like it? 50 dispensaries around my house. Yep. Are you smoking weed? You like a little ganja, an edible once in a while? I'm not the biggest fan. I mean, I've had really bad insomnia in the past, and so I tried everything under the sun, including edibles, including medical marijuana, like everything I tried. Yeah. But no, I find for me it just kind of makes me antisocial. And not really fun. Oh, sure. Okay. So it's not for me, but here, yeah, you can be walking out and about and somebody will be smoking a joint next to you and you're at like chapters or something. Oh, wow. chapters in the United States? I don't no. know. No. What is that? Like a Barnes and Noble? Yes, exactly. Oh, cute. I like the name yeah. chapters more. It's yeah. sweet. Well, I don't really smoke weed. I take edibles once in a while and I do enjoy an edible before I go to bed. And mm-hmm. I don't really look at it as something I want to do socially with people. It's more right. of... An alone time, me and my masks and some edibles type of a thing. Yeah. Because it does knock me out. And I do, Mm -hmm. I go to Mars and I get a great night's sleep. You know, that's... Yes, that was my intention of turning to them. I'm so happy they worked for you. Yeah, oh, it was great. Some people actually have tried CBD oil. I know that could, you know, be more of a relaxant. Like a CBD soak is really nice. Ooh, I've never done that or heard of that. Treat yourself. Lord Jones, sponsor of the Low Life Podcast, has an amazing <laughs> CBD. It has a, a little bit of TH. No, their CBD salt soak does not have THC in it. Oh it's my gosh. strictly CBD, but it's really relaxing. Oh, it's, yeah, it's heavenly. Even just for your muscles, if you have any yeah. muscle aches or anything, CBD, I stand behind it. I love it. It's worked for me. And That's so my great. friends love it too. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you, pivot a little bit because yeah. I was on your TikTok. I love the TikToks that you create. You're talking to the camera. You got great lighting. You're just shooting the shit and just spitting off words of wisdom. Here we go. Which is nice. I feel like, I mean, one of your videos alone has like 5.3 million views. I was like, wow, that really resonated with people. And so when it comes to manifestation, I watched one of your TikToks and you were talking about an unpopular opinion Mm -hmm. about manifesting. And you were saying something along the lines of manifesting is not necessarily the best thing for everybody. It's not necessarily needed for everyone. And it actually can do more harm than good, which right now manifestation is, oh, it's everywhere. It's kind of like trigger, like manifestation, narcissism. What's another big topic right now? People are really like trigger words. People are really into. The word trigger is a huge trigger word right now. Yes, trigger. (laughs) Sure. Using the word like psychopath, you know, or sociopath, you know, I feel like that is really a blanket statement and it shouldn't be used in that way. But when it comes to manifestation, I'm curious, Queen, what are your thoughts? (laughs) Are you manifesting? I do not. I did not manifest this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not. I wasn't on the dream board. (laughs) No. 
<laughs> Don't Damn worry, it. nobody's on the dream board. Okay. No, so here, here's my two cents and everybody's different. If it works for you, cool. But I work with people who have a lot of anxiety disorders. I also work with people who have infertility. And so with manifesting, mm. it's all about you basically think your way into the future that you really, really want. Like the secret. Exactly, which I watched so long ago and yet it's all coming back, right? Yeah. But a lot of people with anxiety, they get really, really tied to this idea that they're responsible for basically everything that happens to them, but in a way that can be so hard for them to go through life. So for OCD, for example, obsessive compulsive disorder, that's a huge thing. So people will say like, I can't go driving because if I go driving, then I'm going to get in a car accident and somebody's going to die. So there's a real fusion with OCD and also anxiety disorders in general between what you think and what you believe the outcome to be. So people with anxiety disorders will often be like, oh my gosh, I can't think that way because if I think that it's going to happen and I don't want that to happen. So the concept of manifesting has actually really indulged that idea. And now they feel even more responsible and they feel even more like they have to control their thoughts in a way that's actually just going to stress them out a lot. Mm, and interesting. Yeah, where I saw this with infertility too was people would have miscarriages, they'd have a really hard time getting pregnant and they would kind of start asking themselves, well, am I not manifesting this enough or what am I doing to bring this on myself? And I'm sitting on the other end of things thinking this poor person thinks that they've caused their miscarriage because they've thought the wrong way. And I just found that so tragic. So telling somebody it's okay, like what you think about just because you've had a thought of what if this doesn't work out, doesn't mean that you caused your miscarriage or just because you have a thought of, oh my gosh, what if I get a car in an accident and kill somebody? Wow. Then it doesn't mean that that's going to happen. So if anything, my job is about how do you diffuse your thoughts from your behavior sometimes. So it, it again, it all depends, right? But I think another interesting concept with manifesting is I think it's quite a privileged concept of like, oh, I've manifested my new Mercedes Benz or like I manifested this. If you were to put that the other way of like, we manifested some of the stuff that's going on in the world right now, that would be horrible, right? Absolutely. I know a lot of people, I mean, myself included, like I try and manifest. I love a good dream board. I think for me, it's more to just have a bit of direction. Totally. And, and it's aspirational for me. You know, I have a few things on there that I would love to have happen in my life. But on the flip side, your argument would be those things that you could put on your dream board having those goals that you're setting for yourself. Yeah, there's a great thing to it. It is a bit privileged in a sense too, that opportunity that you could, I guess, have for yourself. Like what cards do you have lined up for you at the get? Like, what are you starting right, with anyway? Right, is that what right. you're saying in regards to like, it's privileged? Well, I'm sort of saying that like, I, I posted this somewhere. I think I even posted it on Instagram and somebody said, yeah, it's really offensive to imagine somebody saying that my Aboriginal grandparents manifested their reality of being put in like a residential school, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so those are the moments that, I mean, I told you we talk about everything today. No, but, yeah, that's like, no, but you can even apply that to like slavery. You're like, yeah. well, what are you saying about people who have been slaves? Do they manifest right. that? Absolutely right. not. Right. Okay. Oh, that makes so sense. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, I think what you're talking about is having goals and putting an action to achieve them and finding ways to motivate yourself, which is really different in my mind than saying my thoughts and what I envision will 100% predict reality. Yeah. I listened to what you were saying about manifestation. I mean, you were speaking specifically to fertility issues and oh, how gut-wrenching if someone has a miscarriage and goes through something like that and then 
puts themselves at fault in a sense of because of their own thoughts, they could eat them alive. You know, that's really tough. Yeah. Mine, thank God, I haven't experienced that kind of anxiety because of a manifestation, you know, of, of wanting to have a, a baby or something. But I do give myself a bit of anxiety when I don't hit these manifestation dream goals of mine. Mm -hmm. And I have a timeline in my head. And this has been the year. I mean, this episode is actually coming out today on my birthday. Yes. Thank you, Queen. Thank you. And so this episode comes out. And as I'm getting into this next chapter of my life, you know, getting a year older, I would be really hard on myself. And this is the year of I'm trying to just not be so hard on myself. And I set these really strict goals and timelines. And if I don't make those goals, those timelines, I beat myself up and I'm, I think I'm a failure. I think I'm behind what other friends are doing at the yeah. same age. I'm like, why? Why don't I have that right now? I don't like looking left or right. You're going to trip every time you do that. But it's easier said than done. Totally. And so that's where social media doesn't help. You know, I try to take a break from that stuff and just focus on me and and what's my path, not looking what other people are doing, but it's hard. And I have to say, as much as I love a good goal manifestation board, yeah, some of it, I I get a bit of anxiety because of it. And I'm trying Mm -hmm. to learn to not do that, but it's tough. It's tough. I'm turning this into a session right now, a therapy (laughs) session. What should I do, doc? You know, (laughs) when I start putting those unnecessary, you know, pressures on myself to meet goals by a specific timeline and beating myself up because I have not done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it is such a reality right now, I think for all of us, because you said of social media, right? Yeah. And the pandemic kind of threw a, a wrench in a lot of people's life plans. I didn't plan on pissing away all of my life savings during a pandemic. It happened. I'm thankful that I did because I was able to keep my business and the people that work with me afloat. We were, it was great. I will never regret that. But now on the flip side, I'm like, ooh, we're having to to really work here and build something yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, right? Totally. I find what's helpful for me is always being cognizant of my why. So the why behind what I do. So I think the more that we go through life, the more goals we set, we can kind of lose sight of that. So why do I get up in the morning to do my job? Well, it's to reduce stigma and to help people feel less stuck in life. That's, those are my two big things. So every single time I go down that path, okay, but is that supporting my why? So if I look at somebody who's on some TV show that I really wanted to be on or something like that, okay, can I really check back in with myself and say, is going on that TV show supporting my why? For me, that just gives me something to ground me and center me and help me from getting lost in all the noise. And I really like to find ways to decrease the noise too. So I have to set limits around social media, around the types of people that I follow. Sometimes, depending on what I'm going through, I might mute certain people because I'm like, this is just a time in my personal life where I can't handle that. And then I'll unmute them later when I'm feeling a little bit better. But that's how I've been handling it. But I I actually think it's really normal to compare ourselves. We're really social creatures. And of course, we're going to do that. So it's more so a question of when I notice myself doing that, how can I be really kind to myself? Yeah, being a bit more kind to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. The way I talk to myself at times, I would never speak to somebody else like that. And I have to remind myself of that often. I'm like, some of the shit I'm saying to myself right now, like, I wouldn't say that's my worst enemy. Yet alone, why am I saying that to me? (laughs) I I know, I know. Or I imagine, would I ever say that to myself as a kid? Oh, yeah, to a younger you. 
Yeah, like if you picture little five-year-old Lo who's like, oh, I <laughs> yeah. didn't meet my goal today in class. It's like, would you ever talk so meanly to him? Probably not. Yeah, no. Or maybe I would. I'm a bit ruthless in that sense, <laughs> even with my younger self. You know, come oh, on, Lo, step yeah. it up, you little f- you know? <laughs> I know. And, yeah. It's a question. Whenever people go that way in session, I say, who just joined us in the room? So some people will say, oh, that's my dad, or that's my mom, or that's my coach. Yeah. Interesting reflection. Have you noticed that with a lot of your patients? Because you have all walks of life. You deal with couples, do couples yeah. counseling as well, right? Yeah. Are most of your patients, do you notice it's more female, more male, a pretty even split? Probably a little bit more female, but I'm starting to see more male, which is making me really happy. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And do you do you find that most of the problems that you're dealing with, you know, and helping people in therapy that they are stemming from childhood? A lot of the time, I actually do think that's a component. I mean, I know that's a cliche about all therapists talk about is your childhood, but it's a cliche for a reason. Because if somebody yeah. comes in and they say, oh, well, my this one shocks me of parents who have been so critical on their children's bodies since they were three. And now they're saying, oh, I'm so self-conscious about my stomach. And you hear about how their mom used to always tell them to suck in their stomach or point out every single flaw. So mm-hmm. I think we really learn about the world through our family, right? We've come into this planet, we don't know anything, and it's like, okay, here are the rules of the road. That's what our parents and family end up telling us. Did you ever do any research into that study on generational trauma? Have you heard about that? Yes, I have, yes. It's fascinating to me. I watched a YouTube video about it now, I'm like, I'm an expert on generational (laughs) trauma. (laughs) One YouTube video. Oh God. No, No. but it it was an experiment that they did, I believe with two mice. And they exposed one of the mice to an apple and had the little mouse, he bit the apple and he was shocked, right, from the apple. So he got a negative effect from biting into this apple. And so then they had this little mouse, had little mice babies, right? And then they had another mouse that bit the apple and nothing happened. He, he ate it, it was good. And so the, the babies of the, let's say, the harmful apple mouse those little babies were very timid and didn't feel comfortable biting into that apple, which mm-hmm. they showed was odd because when they had the other mouse that had never been affected by it, that mouse was cool eating the apple. The babies, they were all chowing down on that apple too. They had no hesitancy, no anxiety, you know, or anything to yeah. eat it. And so they were showing that trauma can be passed down generationally yes, without us even realizing it, which totally. I find so fascinating. Yes. And just to, I'm getting so excited about this topic. I need to like cool down a little bit, but there's another (laughs) thing about that that I found so interesting, which was that they've also studied that, okay, when it comes to our gut bacteria, like our gut microbiome, you can also pass that down generationally. And there are certain gut bacteria that can actually affect your immune system, your stress levels, whether you're going to be obese or not. So it's just talking about, yes, really? psycholo- yeah. So psychologically, you can pass on trauma, but you can also pass on like physiological elements from your life based on your gut microbiome, which is fascinating. Is there tests that have shown that? Yeah. So there's certain strains of bacteria that will be, okay, if you have this strain of bacteria, you're more likely to be obese, for example, and then they'll be able to find that generationally. But where I often see what you're talking about is I see it a lot with immigration stories so if parents have come from a war-torn country and then they come to Canada, the U.S., let's say, mm-hmm. there's a lot of trauma that gets passed down to their children without it being intentional at all. So 
I've worked with people who will have these relentless work ethics to the point of like barely sleeping. And when you explore Working themselves them, into oh, an exhaustion. Exhaustion beyond words. And when you explore the roots of it, it's like, well, my parents, you know, put up with being in these horrific conditions. So I owe it to them to make them proud and to make sure that they know that it was worth it. And so they cannot turn off that part of their brain. That's like, you have to prove to your parents that it was worth the struggle. And it's so hard to see, you know? Yeah. Well, is there ever a situation that happens where you have a child who's now grown up and is dealing with some trauma and not knowing where even roots from, like, let's say he didn't even know this hypothetical patient of yours didn't even know that his parents had immigrated in a way and it was stressful and exhausting for them. And, and he wasn't privy to that knowledge, but he just has this insane work ethic where he works himself into complete exhaustion. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is like, without the parents informing him of like, this is what I did, you know, don't repeat what I did as a family member. You know, I want you to do better. Every parent wants their child to do better than they did. That's the dream, you know, for every parent out there. But is, is when it's inherent, is that without the parent even pushing it in that direction, could it still happen that way? Absolutely. So coming back to your mice study, a lot of trauma is held in the nervous system. So it actually affects how your body responds to life, essentially. And sometimes I've met people who will say, I had a great childhood. I don't really remember much, but as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty good. Nothing to report. But their nervous system presents in session as somebody who's been very traumatized. So they might like never make eye contact. They might be super jumpy. They might be really hypervigilant about being hurt by other people, for example. And I don't necessarily need to know why, or maybe they don't know why. Sometimes we get there, but we can still work with those symptoms in the present day because your nervous system is way too on edge because it was violated in some way. So that's- In a past generation. Right. Sometimes you never know, right? Yeah. And generational could be parents, grandparents. Yeah. I don't know how far back it goes. I don't know if there's other studies that show, you know, if the little grandbaby mice, now they're eating the apple, they're still not wanting to eat it. I'd be like, holy shit. Did we ever get past this? I don't know. I know. But the good news, because I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like anybody listening is going to be like, womp, womp. But the good news is that- because it is a bit depressing. Totally. But we can rewire our brains. Our brains are actually really malleable. They're really responsive to what we go through. So the brains that you and I have today might not be the same as the brains that we have in five years from now, but based on what we're doing with that time. Mm. So you can rewire stuff based on, like you said, journaling and being kinder to yourself. You're actually creating new neural pathways that are growing and developing, which is so amazing. Yeah. Oh, so you can... Yeah, to kind of undo some of that trauma mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. can live a better life. That's the whole point of this, right? Yeah, exactly. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid delivered right to your door. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers. 
Kids love it and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right, the quality is unmatched. I love it, my kids love it, the grandparents love it, and I know all you lowlifers will love it too. A huge win-win-win for my family, and it can also be for yours. Simplify your kiddos' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. There was something that you talked about. This was another TikTok video that I had seen. Oh, I, I watched every video you've done in the last, <laughs> since you started, actually. <laughs> Which is not too long ago, but yeah, yeah. that's so nice. Yeah, I, I loved it. And there, I mean, it's nice, the continual feed of just watching them. But there was something that you talked about, and I think that I'd love to touch on it right now. One specific thing that you talked about is when it comes to being in a relationship with somebody, and let's say you're in a difficult relationship, you guys are fighting, and one person suggesting counseling, the other person is not open to it, or maybe you both are into it. But there were signs that you suggested of knowing it's time to go to therapy, fam. Mm -hmm. It's time. And so I'd love to cover those signs that you should go to therapy with your partner if you want to give your relationship a fighting chance. Oh, yeah. One sign is if you're feeling like you are having the same argument over and over and over and over, and it's leading to absolutely nowhere productive. So yeah. that's definitely one. Another one is if you happen to play what I call breakup chicken. So every time you argue, it's like, well, I'm out of this relationship or we're getting a divorce. Oh, I used to do that. I loved okay. playing breakup chicken until like the person I was dating was like, all right, I'm cool with that. And I was like, <gasps> Oh, wait a minute. How dare you? I still right. want to fight for this, you bastard. But that was, you know, unhealthy, toxic low at 22 years old playing breakup mm -hmm. chicken until I got mm -hmm. called out on it. Ugh. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Or just being really stuck. Some people have actually thought about a problem over and over. They've had so many conversations. They've tried to think of strategies and they just really don't know where to go next. And sometimes having a third party that has no agenda, I don't really know what you do behind the scenes, no motives here, can just be really enlightening of, oh, some totally blank slate sees X, Y, Z, and now we can work on it differently. Mm, yeah. When you have couples that come in and see you, do you recommend that they not only get couples therapy, but then individual therapy as well? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. So, oh, it depends. So if my rule of thumb is that we have, we can do individual therapy if we're in agreement about the goal that you have as a couple. So let's say a couple is like, I really, really want to enhance trust in the relationship, but one of the partners has had some really abusive ex-partners. It might be really beneficial to work with them one-on-one -on -one because it supports the goal that the couple has. But I've been in situations where I'll go to do individual therapy and I'll hear some humongous secret and I'm like, well, we will not be doing couple therapy anymore because <laughs> now we're in a bind. <laughs> so you never know what people might say in those individual sessions. And it's better to be explicit right from the get-go of, okay, yeah, we can do individual sessions, but there's going to be no secrets here or we're going to have to figure out how to bring that back to the relationship room. That is... A nightmare for like just thinking about if you're doing a couple's counseling session, then you get an individual moment with 
the partner and that person drops a bomb on you and says, actually, I've been cheating the whole time and that's really what's going on. And then you have to go back into that relationship session. Oh, 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 low? Like, those are the... I'm stressing I'm, out. I know. And I have a very <laughs> thick skin now, but those yeah. are the sessions where I'm like, I will not be sleeping tonight because I just sit there thinking, oh my God, that poor person doesn't know. Yeah, and so how do you even navigate that one? Like, as a therapist, a lot of it's listening. Not, I think a lot of people go to therapy wanting to be heard, have someone listen to them. But a lot of times people get upset because it is just more listening and they want legit advice and that's not being given to them. So it depends on the therapist, really, though. You have to find yeah. a match for you. I think the therapist I go to is a healthy dose of both. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's listening. But when I need it or sometimes when I don't even want to hear it, that's when I'm getting the low. And it's like, you know what the answer is, love. Right. Come on. And I'm like, damn it. Okay. so <laughs> That's very yeah. much my style, too. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say like having to hold something like that in, but then I guess working with the person because that's going to be so hard to do both. Do you almost recommend if you go to a relationship therapist for the couple, then you guys do therapy to different therapists? Yeah. That's usually for the most part what I end up doing. Unless, like I said, it's very explicitly said there will be no secrets. It's going to be supporting a mutual goal, but it's just cleaner to have them go to separate therapists for individual therapy. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that gave me a bit of anxiety thinking about (laughs) being stuck in that scenario. And speaking of anxiety, there is an acronym, THINK, T-H-I-N-K, that you use for helping people like yourself who suffers from anxiety. Yes. And I love this acronym. I think that's, it's great. And especially because I think we all, to some extent, suffer with a bit of anxiety. And so remembering, Mm -hmm. think. And so I'd love for you to go over that because I think it would be very beneficial to anybody listening right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So if you ever have an anxious thought or an anxious moment, T of the THINK acronym stands for, is it true? Objectively true. So not in my mind, but okay, if I check the facts for a moment, is it true? The H is, is it helpful? Because sometimes you can have a thought that's true, but thinking about it isn't necessarily going to be useful for you. The I is, is it inspiring? So when I have this thought, does it move me towards what I value and towards my goals or does it actually do the opposite and make me feel really deflated or uninspired or unmotivated? The N is, is it necessary? So is this something that I need to be thinking about right now or is there a way for me to maybe just compartmentalize this or reframe it in a way that's more effective? And then the K is, is it kind? So is this kind to myself? Is it kind to other people? And I guess that's circling back to what you were saying about your birthday, right? Like, is that a kind way of talking to yourself on your birthday when you've done so many things and had so many accomplishments that you could focus on? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I'm just going to give a scenario. Susan in Canada (laughs) has so much anxiety presenting in a Zoom meeting. It's not something she wants to do. She hates everybody she works with. She's miserable at her job. But she has to do this because if she doesn't, she's definitely not going to make a good impression on her boss. And she wants to get a raise. And this is like a big deal for her. Yes. Okay. Beautiful. So (laughs) if Susan's going in being like, okay, I can't do this or something, right? Or like, I'm so bad at leaving. And she royally f***ed up last time she did a Zoom. Yeah. Okay. And just blanked. Okay, cool. So is it true? I guess you could say it was that one time, but if we look at the full scope of you leading a meeting, like what are what are the signs of evidence that you've actually had meetings that have gone really, really well? Chances are your ratio is better than you think it is, right? So she might say, okay, that one meeting was not my best, but the one that I gave last week was fine. The one 
five months ago was fine. So I have lots of evidence of making it through okay. So is it true? Not not wholly, not entirely. Yeah. Is it helpful? No, because if I think to myself, oh my gosh, I'm just going to blank. That's not helpful for me at all. Is it inspiring? No, because I'm probably not inspired to go give this meeting now. And I just feel really, really demotivated. <laughs> is it necessary? Yes, because she has to do this meeting for her boss or whatever you said with like her yeah. promotion, right? So I yeah. guess you could come back to, is this situation necessary for, for me based on what I want for myself? And then the K, is it kind? No. So what's a kinder way of saying that? What would I say to a friend giving this presentation, right? I might say, okay, yeah, you kind of bombed that one, but we also know that you're going to do a really good job. You've had lots of success in the past. Just root for yourself. It'll be over before you know it. And then we'll go for dinner afterwards so you can blow off some steam. So. Mm, I love that. Oh, better? Yeah. No, that's great. I understand it too. If you don't pass the think test, you have to just let that shit go because it's going to do nothing yeah. except cause you more anxiety and you're going to lose mm-hmm. sleep. And a lot of us are going through that right now. You know, it's interesting too. And I'm sure you go through this as a psychotherapist, but we are all going through some shit. Oh my Everybody, gosh, yes. even the most, it's crazy because I work with some really quote unquote, I mean, everyone's definition of success is so different, which has been another huge happy birthday, new year, new awakening. My definition of success has changed completely. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I've come to realize that some of the most quote unquote textbook, if you think it's with finances, that type of success, they are beautiful. They are rich. They have fame. They seem like they got everything going for them. They're miserable. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met are the quintessential picture of life perfection. And they are so unhappy and they are really going through it. And not that that should bring me joy, doesn't, but it just makes me think, damn, everybody's going through it. I'm definitely not alone in this at all. Doesn't matter how great you have it. You could still be completely Mm -hmm. miserable. Yeah, I find that loneliness and shame go hand in hand a lot. So the more alone we feel, the more ashamed we might feel about our situation. So even with your example of it being your birthday and everybody is doing better than me or I'm so behind, like that's a really lonely narrative to have because it's like you're the only one in that experience. Yeah. But just remembering that that is so common right now. That's probably one of the top things that people are talking to me about right now is I don't know how I'm supposed to go do X, Y, Z when all my other friends are doing X, Y, Z. You know, what is it about knowing that other people are miserable too? like misery loves company (laughs) like that phrase? What is it about? Is it herd mentality of like, okay, you know what? This is a bit more palatable. I can get through life right now because I'm not the only one. I think so. It's, It's a sense of community, right? Of just feeling like, okay, somebody else really gets it. And I actually feel really seen in that experience. Yeah. Yeah, that has to be it. Well, one thing that really inspired me is, you know, setting these deadlines for ourselves, which I'm sure you do that too, to some extent, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And so I, again, was really hard on myself coming into this new year of life. And I had to rewire and I ended up watching the Tina Turner documentary. Have you watched it? I've not seen it. No. I grew up obsessed with Tina Turner. I love her. My Nana, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but she was a huge fan of hers. And I ended up becoming a big fan because of it. And so I grew up just listening to the music a lot. And my Nana would dress as her for Halloween and just loved her. So 
pictures of Tina, her music were constantly playing throughout the house. And so I now listen to the music whenever I want to feel close to my Nana or I just miss her so desperately. I put some Tina on. Oh, it's lovely. And so I started watching this documentary and I was blown away because Tina Turner is known as the queen of rock and roll. She has Mm -hmm. these pipes. She's been around for, I mean, well over 30 years in the business entertaining people. She was with Ike and Tina. That was the Ike and Tina show. Ike Turner, abusive, psychopath. Really, we could use that term appropriately for Ike Turner. He was a monster. Creative, genius, but a monster. Beat the hell out of her, raped her. He was a terrible person. And so she was in this terrible marriage relationship early on, stuck with him. He built her career, the Ike and Tina show. And then she was getting beat throughout the entire journey with him. Oh my gosh. I mean, not like a little domestic fight. Not like, oh, this is toxic. This was like, you should be incarcerated for what you did to her type of abuse. It was really, really violent. So she finally got the courage to leave him. And she was, I believe, in her 30s. She left the guy with nothing. And they had a divorce. They had children between them. And she said, of course, I'm going to take the kids, which she was fine with. She said, all I want, because they ha- had amassed this fortune together as Ike and Tina, all she wanted was her name, Tina, wow. because he gave her that name. Her real name was not Tina. She wanted Tina Turner. And he's like, sure, take the name and I'll take the, the money and the life that I've built and everything. And so she took that. She did backup singing for Olivia Newton-John. She was singing in little disco clubs. And this was in the era of the disco is dead era, which was a whole oh. movement where people just completely hated disco music, even though it was so popular. A lot of that was racially motivated. I've come to find out the disco is dead movement. There was a lot of huh. racism attached to that, which is really sad. But she started you know, rhythm and blues with Ike. Then she went into disco. And then as she progressed in her career, the disco is dead movement started. And she looked at herself like she wasn't relevant anymore. Now she was Mm -hmm. in her late 30s, early 40s, and she just wasn't necessarily what's hot. Because during that time, Madonna was popping off, Deborah Gibson, like I'm trying to think of all these pop stars, young, 20-something-year-old, like a virgin vibes was happening. And just Tina wasn't it. So then when she got in her 40s, I believe she was 43 years old. She was going to different record labels. And all the different record labels told her, you know, you had success with Ike and Tina back in your 20s. You had your moment. And it was a package deal. And now as a solo artist, disco's not the vibe anymore. Your voice is so distinctive. And honestly, who's going to listen to your music? And it's not marketable. Like, who's going to buy music and want to listen to a middle-aged black woman singing music right like i'm sorry like it's just not that's what she was told by different producers and record labels and so she was really just on her own there was one composer that she ended up working with i believe she ended up marrying him they're still married to this day he believed in her he loved her voice and he ended up writing a song for her called what's love got to do with it and this was in the 80s and so it was a single that was released 1984 the single was released it blew up everywhere And by the end of that year, she was on her first stadium tour. By the time she was in her mid to late 40s, that's when she was finally selling out stadiums worldwide. She performed with Mick Jagger, David Bowie. I mean, she became the Tina Turner we know and love today as this iconic superstar. But she didn't even have her first number one hit until she was in her mid 40s. And so I listened to that 
and I watched that documentary and I was just blown away because I'm like, oh my God, here I am setting all these deadlines for myself. I can't believe I haven't done this yet and that yet. And I'm like, hold up, back it up and wrap it up. I need to just pull a page out of the Tina Turner playbook right now. Oh, and just, she stuck that. with it. And she's like, I know I have something special. I know I have a voice to share with the world. And you guys tell me I'm washed up. You guys say nobody cares about a middle-aged black woman. But there was a middle-aged Hispanic woman helping to raise me that was so inspired by this woman. And it really gave my Nana, for example, the courage to get her divorce, to start a new life for herself, to become who she was and, and felt comfortable in her own skin. And, and she felt sexy and she wore leather skirts. And, and she realized like, wait, Tina Turner is how old and rocking those skirts and has those gorgeous legs? I could do that too. And it just was very inspiring. And so... I watched the Tina Turner doc yesterday, actually, because I'm like, oh, I need to get myself on the right mindset going into a new year of life. And so having this conversation with you, too, was really important. I was like, this is the perfect way to have an, a special little birthday episode. <laughs> oh, I'm so honored. And that story is so important. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did not know that. Yeah, it's cool. And I just think if anyone is listening and, you know, they don't think that they can do it anymore, or they're giving up or their time has passed or they're too old to wear that outfit, to learn that language, yeah. read that book, you know, whatever it could be, do something new in their career, play that instrument. They're not too old. You could start at any point in your life, which I think is so inspiring. And Ugh, we always need that reminder. Really though, right? hundred <laughs> percent. No, really and truly. I think everybody, myself included, I just got like a nice little wave of calm hearing you say that. Yeah. We just need to, to just like simmer and be where we're supposed to be right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Here at the Low Life Podcast, we have a tradition of doing rapid fire questions. And so I'm going to jump into a round with you. Here we go. It's rapid fire questions with Christina. Hit it. Number one, cottage on the beach or cabin in the woods? Oh, cottage on the beach. Love it. Celebrity crush. We'll go with your female celebrity crush and then a guy you're crushing on right now. John Krasinski has always uh, been my male celebrity crush. Love. Obsessed. Charlize Theron is probably my female. Yeah. Hot. Beautiful. Yes. If your belly button had a magical power, any power when you press that belly button, what would you make your belly button do? Give me energy. Oh, I haven't had that answer yet. <laughs> Why did that came That's great. So All right. What is your last meal on death row? Steak and carbonara pasta. Damn. I like it. Carbs and a yeah. big old meaty steak. <laughs> yeah. When are you most inspired? Talking to other people and hearing their story. Like this is an inspiring thing for me. Oh, I love that. What is a movie that is a mood changer for you? This is a movie you've seen more than once. You could easily quote it. I'm not going to have you quote it, though. But a movie that really does it for you, puts you in a good headspace. Or a bad one. Some people have a dark movie they love. No judgment. Yeah. You've got mail, probably. Oh, so cute. I love that movie. Oh, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. <laughs> so cute. Oh, my. If you even watch that movie, though, I haven't watched it probably since I had like AOL Messenger and everything. You know, it's been <laughs> yeah, a long totally. time. Yes. But I'm yes. curious to watch it now because it probably feels just so dated, but so sweet. So heartwarming. It is so heartwarming. God, what is your top love language? Physical touch is mine. All right. Last show you binge watched. Oh my gosh. I've been watching Barry. Barry. On HBO. 
Oh, man. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to watch Tina Turner documentary, and you're going to watch Barry after this. Deal. It is so good. It's made by Bill Hader. He also stars in it. Okay. It's about this hit man who becomes interested in the performing arts. Oh. It's so good. Is it a, like a psychological like thriller, heavy drama, comedy? It's like a comedy drama. It's like really dark humor. So it's, you'll laugh just as much as you'll be intrigued. Oh, I'm into and it. Like suspenseful. It's so good. Oh, I've, I've never even heard of that show. I'm excited to watch it. It's awesome. What is something that people commonly get wrong about you? Ooh, probably that I'm extroverted. I'm not extroverted. At all. I can do it, but I'm, I love my alone time knitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knitting? How cute. I just picture yes. you like Mandy Moore in a walk to remember with your little sweater. You're yes, so exactly. That is very accurate. Uh, yeah. What are your top two songs on your playlist on repeat right now? Oh, Beyonce's new one, Break My Soul, has just been a vibe yes. in my house. So that one. And then that's kind of been the main one right now. I don't really have a second one to think of. Yeah, Beyonce. No, it's a great song. It's such a 90s throwback too. Such a 90s throwback. There's a yeah. specific song that it reminds me of. You've got to me show too. me love. Yes, yes, dun, yes. Dun, 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 100%. Dun, dun, dun. When you die and come back to this world, let's say you believe in reincarnation, what animal would you come back to this beautiful world as? One of my cats, for sure. They have the best goddamn life. Really? <laughs> I take them to the cottage. I knit them blankets. Oh. I give them treats. It's just out of control. Oh. I love it. You come back as a little cat. <laughs> yeah. Cute. Only in my household, though. Yes. Or like one of my relatives' households. Sure. This podcast comes out every Thursday, and we like to leave the lowlifers with a little something-something going into the weekend, some words to live by. This could be an inspirational quote from somebody else or one that you say to yourself, your own words, your own thoughts. But if you could leave the lowlifers, that's what we call the listeners here, just a little something going into the weekend. Yes, this has been one for me that as somebody who's trying to just work on self-criticism, I really like the phrase of progress, not perfection. Mm. If you're ever just going through something, just progress, not perfection. Perfection doesn't exist, so progress is fine. Oh, that is the perfect place to leave this episode. Progress, Good. not perfection. Thank you for that, Queen. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest. I'll make sure to link everywhere people could find you in the description of this episode. And I appreciate you coming on. I'd love to have you back as a guest. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We have some great shows coming in hot for you. I love doing this show. I'm having so much fun with it. I just got to say thank you to my low lifers because I wouldn't be able to do this freaking show if it weren't for you, my listeners. Literally, you're the reason why I have this show. And I'm just so grateful to have you as a listener. So thank you for tuning in every week and sharing it with your friends, your family, your loved ones. I appreciate you doing that with an up-and-coming little shit show like the Low Life Podcast. We're 80-something episodes in, and I'm continuing putting out episodes, and I'm glad you're enjoying them. But the best way to help an up-and-coming little shit show of a podcast, the little engine that could or couldn't at times, is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to help. It really makes an impact, and it could be anything you want it to be. I have listeners who will write multiple reviews, leave a review every single week. You could put a little smile face, leave me a little dick emoji, couple tamales, a salsa dancer, a smiley face, whatever you want it to be. It is so appreciated, and it really does make a difference. So thank you for taking the time to do that.
my top love language is gifts. I love giving gifts. I love receiving them, but giving them really does something for me. And so I'm opening up the low life gifting suite. Well, it's been open, but it's going to continue to stay open as long as I can afford it. (laughs) As long as I don't declare bankruptcy and I'm sending out treats to my listeners. So if you want a chance to win a little something, something, hyaluronic serums, beauty products, shit you didn't know you need on Amazon, movie tickets, gift cards, Gifts from our sponsors. There's a whole bunch of shit that I'm sending out to people. So if you want a chance to win a little something, something, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcast, but please make sure to leave your Instagram handle somewhere in the review. Just leave your handle because I might just be sliding into your DMs, getting your address and sending you a little something, something from the Low Life Gifting Suite. I want to shout out some listeners who have taken the time to leave beautiful reviews on Apple Podcasts. All right, here we go. The first one coming up is from at Haley Garcia. Haley Garcia writes, thanks, Lo. Thanks to the queen. Five stars. I just wanted to say I've been binge listening to the pod and specifically the episodes with your mama. And I'm just so grateful for you both. It's been so therapeutic and fun listening to you too. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and your mom's insights have helped me to be a better mom and to reframe some things I was doing and that my kids were doing. Her story about your dinosaur shoes and her just deciding to love you through your tantrum was so helpful to me. I am also married to a spicy Latino and her insights into her childhood and her life have helped me to understand my husband so much more as she talked through how certain circumstances that I know he also went through shaped her. Oh, and I just love you both so much. Thank you for sharing your lives with us listeners because my life has truly been blessed by it. Thank you, Lo. Oh my God, you queen. That is the most beautiful thing. Thank you for sharing that review. That is going to make the queen's day. I appreciate it so much because I know she gets so nervous to record. Oh, she gets so in her head about it. And I'm like, don't worry, queen. I promise listeners are going to enjoy this. And she's like, people are going to hate what I'm saying. I'm like, no, they won't. (laughs) They'll love it. And if they don't, that's okay too. But I'm glad it's actually impacting someone out there. So thank you for writing that. Haley Garcia, I love that you have a spicy Latino husband and two kids. I'm sure you're an incredible mama. Thank you for listening to this podcast. That is a freaking beautiful review. Oh, appreciate you. I hope I get to meet you guys in person one day. Like, I would love to meet you. Haley Garcia, I'm going to put it out into the atmosphere. I'm going to manifest it. (laughs) I'm going to get anxiety manifesting this into the world. But I would really love to do a tour so I could meet some of you guys, give you a big old hug. All right, next review comes from Emily Welsh, and her Instagram handle is at muskrat. <laughs> I love it. M-U-U-S-K-R-A-T. Oh, Emily, you little muskrat. How cute are you? She writes, I love being a low lifer. Five stars. I look forward to hearing your voice every week, Low. I started listening to you on Canadian Maple Delight KB's pod and just had to have more Low. I admire your honesty, compassion, humor, and perspective. Keep crushing it, puta. She gave me a little chili a flame, a salsa dancer, and ended it with my favorite, a little dick emoji. Ah, Thank you for that, Emily Welsh, you little muskrat queen. I appreciate you leaving that review. Thank you for listening. And yeah, I will continue to put out an episode every single week. I would love to do two a week. Don't worry. We're going to get to that point eventually where we're putting out two a week. That's going to be fun. All right. We have time for one more review. This one is coming from at Lauren McCraw. At Lauren, M-C-C-R-A-W. Lauren McCraw writes, It's like talking to my best friend, five stars. I've been meaning to write a review for a long time, but I listen in on my way to work and always forget when I walk in. That's all right, boo. 
you're busy. I get it. No worries. Thank you for writing one now. (laughs) She writes, you're my favorite to listen to because you always lift my spirits. No matter what kind of mood I'm in, I feel like I'm having a conversation with my best friend every time I listen. And it starts my day in such a great way. Love you, Lo. She left me some hearts. Little sunshine. Thank you for that. Lauren McCraw, the fact that I could put a smile on your face, like life is hard enough as it is. So if I can give you a little escapism, put a smile on your face. Oh, that makes me so happy because there's so much time, effort, and love that I put into this show. So the fact that it puts a smile on anybody's face really makes me the happiest person. (laughs) I love it so much. So thank you for that. I'm glad that you could have a smile on your face going to work because I know going into work some days can feel like the absolute worst. And so if I could help you out, putting you in a good mindset before you get into the office, oh, that makes all the effort I'm putting into this podcast completely worth it, which is the perfect place to leave this podcast on, a smile on your face. I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Go outside, get some vitamin D, masturbate, watch a good movie, Pour yourself a delicious glass of wine or maybe even have a delicious margarita. Put some tahini around the edge. Ooh, some trashy sangria. Oh, I love it so much. Enjoy a cocktail. But don't forget to drink your water, putas. Because I know you're thirsty. <laughs> we, we love, love you. you. And we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys.